I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 256 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we strip hobby podcasting down to its bare elements. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we give an update on Discord. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have a listener who uses actual dynamite on their show. Lauren, why don't you drop the bomb now and start the show? Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 256 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is the fantastic SP. Hey, everybody. How's it going? How is your podcast going this week, your hobby podcast? It is going swell for us. This is an exciting time in podcasting. It's coming to the fall. A lot of people get more into their podcasting in the fall for whatever reason. It is like barely August here. Come on. Let's not let's not write off the rest of the summer here yet. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I would prefer to write off the rest of the summer because, you know, running outside in the 100 degree heat with 100 percent humidity is a bit taxing for an old man like myself. Yeah, but I I live in in B.C. where basically we have six weeks of summer and then the rest of it is just one season, which is rain. Well, at least it's not winter. I mean, you don't have minus 50 degrees Celsius out there. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, if you haven't checked out the show before, thank you for joining us. We do like to talk about what the intro just said, which is is hobby podcasting. But sometimes at the beginning, we like to do a how I saved my podcast story. This is where if somebody has something go wrong with their podcast, they can send it to us. Let us know what went wrong and how they fixed it so that we can share that with everybody and maybe uh, motivate those creative juices for you the next time you have something go wrong with your podcast. If you want to submit one of those to us, please email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. We would love it if you would send us an audio or video clip, because if you didn't know this, we have a full video companion to this show available over at betterpodcasting.com. And if you want to, if you ever want to see how the sauce is all made for better podcasting, you can come over on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time to www.geeks.live. We do stream this show usually when we do record. And so we have a chat room and people can watch the raw video and watch us all make all sorts of mistakes that get edited out later. So if you want to come join us when we record, you can do that. And the weeks we're not recording this show, we're doing our companion show, which is the Better Podcasting live chat. I look forward to it every week, whether it's this show or that show. Hobby Podcast is a special creation full of the passion you put into it. 
It's your unique ideas and your ability to transform and grow into something bigger over time. If you think about it, the show that you produce, prepare, record, edit, and publish only exists because you really wanted to start a podcast. And because of the low cost of entry to start, making a podcast is within anyone's reach and not just the huge media corporations or conglomerates. The testament to all the passion, desire, and availability is literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts and podcast directories ready to be listened to by anyone connected to the internet and having a means to play the file on earphones or speakers. This is nothing short of amazing, given the short period of time since the advent of podcasting. It's less than 20 years. But when you think about the successes of podcasting in such a broad lens like this, it doesn't break down the essence of an individual show that well. And that can be a particular challenge for us podcasters. So for us as hobby podcast creators, we need to be able to describe our smaller world of individual episodes and shows in order to improve our work to stand out in a large sea of podcasts. And that's what we'll be discussing today. Some of the key elements that we feel make up a hobby podcast in 2021 and how we think you can make the most of these areas using modern tools and trends. Stephen, the very first one is something most hobby podcasters love to talk about. Yeah, let's begin with a bit of a creative category. Yes, the category that we're talking about is creativity. The reason we want to start here is because in pretty much all aspects of the podcasting process, you're going to have the opportunity to demonstrate your personal creativity to help shape your show. Whether it's choosing a topic, organizing an episode, refining your delivery, or even editing your podcast, there are many opportunities for you to use your creativity within your show. And if you're not creative, you're probably going to reach a point where you look back at your podcast and realize it really wasn't that reflective of your uniqueness. This is why we would argue that creativity is a huge element of hobby podcasting. When you're doing something fun for yourself, such as making a hobby podcast, it's different than when you're doing something for someone else. For example, most hobby podcasters have day jobs. How often do you attend your day job and do something that you have to do because there's a workflow or a policy within your workplace that says it has to be done that way? When you do that thing, do you look back on it with pride and excitement? Or is it more likely that you look back at it and go, hmm, that really doesn't reflect me. The odds are, if you're doing something because of a workflow, it's going to involve minimal creativity on your part. Essentially, you're not reflected in it. The thing that you do probably overall feels very similar to someone else who is following that workflow or policy and doing the same thing. After all, that's why there is a workflow or a policy for that. But how does this compare to a different time that you've had in your day job where maybe you've just been given a general framework of parameters and you've been able to sort of fill in the rest? The chances are when you look back at that thing where you had more opportunity to show your creativity, it probably did reflect you better than that thing that was simply being done by a, a straightforward workflow or policy. Heck, you might have even found yourself feeling pride when you look back at that element of your day job. It happens from time to time. It's in our opinion that hobby podcasters should be able to look back on their podcast 
and see the mark that they've made in that podcast. Even if they're just participating in a podcast with other people, they should be able to see their influence. And that's really where creativity comes in, right, SP? It's important to recognize that not everyone has the same level of creativity either. Some people might really be good at doing things like graphics and audio editing. Other people might be really good at delivering a message in an impactful manner. Others might be really good at doing more behind-the-scenes work, like laying out the show prep documents. Creativity doesn't just have to be one thing. And further, all creative things don't have to be for everyone. Whether you're working with a team or you're solo podcasting, we think it's important that you recognize where you're creative and where you're not. Because if you don't recognize these things, the odds are you're going to find yourself in that doing things just because they're a workflow category, and you'll be less likely to see the mark that you left on your podcast. So you're saying yourself, so Stephen and SP, what do we have to do about those areas that none of us are creative with? None of us know how to build graphics. None of us are all that great at editing. Well, you should ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? And truthfully, it doesn't really matter because we live in a modern world with this thing called the internet, which is full of information that is going to help you learn new things through your podcasting endeavors. In fact, one might say that all podcasters are going to find that they are creative at learning new things. It's really just part of podcasting. It's next to impossible to get away from learning new things when you start a show. So as you look at these areas that aren't in somebody or your wheelhouse, you can assess what are areas that each person or you have a desire to learn? Perhaps you can divide them up with the rest of your team so everyone is trying to expand their creativity in their own way. And because you're learning, you're likely to come to see your mark on your podcast as you're trying out new things and find what works best for you and your show. And if you're solo podcasting, then you can take a similar approach. What do you have a desire to learn? And how can you achieve the other things that you don't? For example, maybe it's easier to hire somebody to build your graphics for you. But we would encourage you not to get complacent about the things you are naturally creative at. We would encourage you to keep that self-development up. Right, Stephen? Yeah, if you're great at doing show notes, maybe you can hop on the internet to start looking at new tools that are available that might help streamline that process. It's a good opportunity for you to learn a new tool and keep things fresh. Or maybe you're pretty good at doing video elements, but instead you want to take a video editing class on Skillshare to help enhance your ability to better produce those elements. You could do that. And no, we don't have a Skillshare code to give you because, you know, we're not that type of show about money. But there are plenty of discount codes that are out there if you do need, uh, and you can always reach out to us and we can see what we know. But that's beside the point. Again, we don't, we don't have any to give you because we don't monetize this podcast. I digress. You could also though, start listening to some of the top podcasts in other categories on Apple Podcasts if you are finding that you need to innovate your content a little more. It's research, and it's actually quite fun. SP, I also know one of your favorite things is to read a book. Yeah, read a book. It really doesn't matter what the topic is or who wrote it, as long as it's something along the lines of a reputable self-improvement or skill improvement book. Odds are you'll find something in it to help your show eventually. 
Another way you can keep things fresh with your creativity is by trying to help somebody on your podcast acquire the skill that they want to acquire. Perhaps you can act as a bit of a mentor to them. Uh, trying to share your skill with somebody not only helps build them up, but it also helps you analyze why you're good at the creative things that you do. And sometimes that can lead to fresh thinking. You're basically getting more creative with your creativity. And you might even have some fun doing it. Speaking of fun, that is our next category, fun. Obviously, we talk a lot about fun on this show, so we'll keep this one really short. But we have to mention it because fun is a big component of doing a hobby podcast. In fact, if it isn't fun for you to do, you should probably stop what you are doing. Just stop right now and find another topic that interests you or Find some other co-hosts that you can share the experience with, that you mesh better with, or maybe find a format that works better for you and re-attack the show from those angles. Because if your show's not fun, you're not going to want to do it week in and week out or season in and season out or whatever. So really make sure that you bring the fun in your show. But let's move on to a slightly more technical category here. We're going to talk about how Hobby podcasting isn't free podcasting. Wait, that sounds familiar. Maybe it was last episode. Uh, the reality is that it's not. And that's why we want to talk a little bit about the budget size of your hobby podcast and how that is actually, we think, an element of hobby podcasting. Because we'd propose that the budget of a podcast has the potential far more to influence the core shape of a podcast if it's a hobby podcaster versus a large budget podcast. What do we mean by that? Well, here's an example. Someone with a budget that is big enough to hire editors probably can do podcasting more frequently than someone who has to do all the work by themselves. Someone maybe who has a budget to travel might have far different interviews being able to fly somewhere and interview someone across the room versus not having a travel budget and having to always interview over the internet. And of course, you also might see listenership growth differences based on advertising budgets, budgets as well. These are just a few examples on how the budget, having a smaller one for a hobby podcast, might compare to somebody with a larger budget and how that might impact the core content. Every podcaster has to budget in some capacity on what they want to spend on their podcast. After all, like we said, hobby podcasting isn't always free. And that's going to affect certain aspects of the show. And let's start with an example that's one of our personal favorites here. It's all about gear. Yes, hobby podcasters might find themselves needing to podcast on very minimal gear. Again, probably because they have a smaller budget. This is going to affect the entire workflow of your podcast. While someone with a large budget might have a dedicated recording space, as a hobbyist, you're probably sharing your podcast recording space with other aspects of your life. This means things like setting up your show has to be considered because you don't have a studio simply to walk into, boot up a computer or a recording piece of hardware and hit record. No, you just don't flip a switch like that in a permanent recording space. Instead, you are sitting there uh, having to share and maybe rearrange things in that shared space. As well, your smaller budget 
might mean that you're looking at different solutions to problems that come up with your podcast. For example, someone with a larger budget might have excellent acoustics because of the recording space that they've built. They have little reverb, little outside noise. But if you are sharing that space with, say, your den, and you have hardwood floor, and your neighbor is outside mowing their lawn all the time, you just don't have that quiet luxury of a dedicated recording space. And you probably have much better things to spend that budget on than putting all sorts of acoustic tiles all over your den. Plus, you have to see those acoustic tiles day in and day out in your den. So a hobby podcaster with a smaller budget might look at microphone changes that are necessary in order to help reject some of that noise. As they go through and they select their microphone, that might be a consideration instead. They might look up the trust on the trusty internet of a bunch of different mic comparisons to see specifically the off-axis noise rejection. Then they can find the one that seems to have the best off-axis noise rejection in the quality and the budget that they're looking to spend. And instead of having a dedicated recording space like a large podcaster does, they're just utilizing the equipment that best fits their shared space. And maybe they can position that microphone in in an area of their den that does reject that off-axis noise from their neighbor. In 2021, microphone reviews are not unique. Our sincere apologies if you're listening to this and you do microphone reviews, but the reality is it's not unique anymore. There are wealth of them out there. And this is great for people who really want to do their research for certain aspects of equipment before purchasing it. In this example, we're talking about off-axis rejection. You can hop on YouTube, probably find a bunch of reviews for the microphones you might be looking at, and see a bunch of different voices using them or hear them, and surmise a reasonable expectation of what you're going to get before you buy it. Which again, this is very different than a podcast with a large budget where they might do an episode of a podcast, hate the sound, and then buy entirely new mics for the next episode for everyone. Your budget size will also be something that might grow with time, or you might even use it differently. For example, one year you might use it to upgrade your recording hardware, the next year you might use it for software, and in another year you might use it to hire help with certain aspects of your podcast. In any event, the budget is a defining element of your hobby podcast. Moving on to the next key element that we're talking about with hobby podcasts is routine. One of the elements to a hobby podcast that we think is really important is establishing a routine. Having such a busy hobby amongst other parts of life can mean that if you don't establish a routine, you might find that your podcast suffers and that will essentially shape what your podcast looks like. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll edit this tomorrow, which turns into, yeah, I'll edit this later on in the week, which turns into, you know what? I don't need to edit this. Publish. Boom. Podcasting is a bit of a unique hobby because it lends itself to the likes of hobbies that have a schedule. But the difference is that often the schedule of podcasting is more established by you. You're the boss. For example, if you're part of a hobby, hobby, a hockey team, you might have established dates like practices, games, etc. With podcasting, you might be establishing these things too, like recording times or pre-prep times, or I'm going to edit at this point in time. As such, it's easy when doing a hobby like podcasting to slip off your schedule and go into 
procrastination. It's one of the best parts about podcasting in modern times, though, is that there are a lot of ways that you can lean on others to help keep you accountable and stay away from procrastination. There are easy communication platforms like messaging systems, social media, etc. And there are many platforms available to help build a more interactive community, which some of your listeners might help keep you accountable if you happen to miss an episode or miss a publishing date. Right, Stephen? Yeah, maybe you you posted like a couple hours late and your your entire Discord server says, where's the episode? Not that not that that's ever happened to us, of course. No. It's never happened at all. Which that perfectly brings us to our next point, which is all about a community, because we think that building a community is a key component of hobby podcasting. And this is because without a community, you're likely to feel that you're basically talking into a void. Sorry, I wanted to try it out. SP didn't work. And since you aren't receiving a paycheck, it'll really be hard to keep yourself motivated without some form of reward. And a podcast community, in our opinion, is one of the key rewards that you will get. We've talked extensively about how building a community does take time. But here's the key point we want to mention in this episode, which is that building a community in 2021 is a lot easier now than it used to be. And that's because there are so many platforms that are available that can be created in really just a few clicks. Whether it's a Discord server or a Facebook group or just going on Twitter and getting involved with conversations or just looking at some of these emerging social media platforms and trying them out. Back in the day, it wasn't so easy to create an online community for your listeners. It often was something like a community forum and it involved a bunch of tech work and maintenance and really a bunch of Things that you don't want to know happen behind the scenes of community forums because it was not easy to run a community forum. And that meant, really, it wasn't that easy to create a community around your podcast. But there are all of these new tools available in 2021, and this can become a key component to your podcast fairly easily as such. And it helps you engage with your listeners more, which can help create content. But don't get building a community confused with building listenership. While we do think it can be valuable to build your podcasting community, we don't think you should look at it in the same perspective as building your listenership. It is possible to build your community without growing your listenership any more than it already is, if you've already got listeners, of course. It could be engaging more with your members. It could be getting more of your existing listeners over to that community. And it could even be including that community more in your podcasting content. These are all ways that you're growing your community without necessarily growing your listenership. Just because you might be having challenges growing your listenership any more than what you have doesn't necessarily mean you can't grow the community aspect of your hobby podcast more. Our next key element of a hobby podcast that we're going to discuss is your show level topic or thing. We're not talking about episodes here. We're talking show level. So your podcast level, your entire show. Yes, this is a nod back to Better Podcasting Episode 1. Your show theme or main topic, whichever you want to call it, we'll use them interchangeably here, will be an important element for your hobby podcast. 
In fact, there are a lot of topics that really only work for a hobby podcast versus a podcast attempting to monetize or promote a good or service. Your topic or main theme in hobby podcasting is more about sharing your passion or building a community than anything else. But regardless what it is or what category you fit it into, you still need a topic for your show. A focused show gives the audience an idea of what to expect when they press play to listen to your next episode. And a focused topic is also better for search engine optimization so you can fit into those algorithms better on whatever platform you're out there, whether it's Google search, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. You want to get into those algorithms. Without a topic or main theme to your show, you might as well just go to the local bar or pub or playground and start talking to anyone there who will listen, which is pretty much the listener base you will get without a defined topic. So once again, having a defined topic is very important for a hobby podcast. You just can't talk about whatever suits you. Make sure your show is topic themed. And moving on to the next key element, we'll talk a little bit about time management in specific. We know that most hobby podcasters are not full-time podcasters. We talked about that a little bit before. In fact, we're pretty sure all hobby podcasters are not full-time podcasters. So time management is key to optimally use your available time outside of work, family, friends, fitness, housekeeping, grocery shopping, car maintenance, school, homework, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You will only have so much time to spend podcasting and you should really use it wisely. Now, we've discussed time management a few times before in previous episodes and we just discussed routine. So we won't go too far into time management in this episode. But just to give you a hint on some of the past episodes that we did, we did an episode number 18 on time management, episode 114 on podcast time saving tips, episode 131 on making time for other activities episode 243 on how much time does it take to start my first podcast, and episode 255, time spent creating versus your content versus time spent promoting your podcast. But as any hobby podcasting veteran will tell you, you'll need to manage your time in order to podcast. So time management is a key element in hobby podcasting. The next category that we want to talk about is one that we've often seen skirted or avoided. It's the idea of having a web presence for your show. And for those of you who are, you know, under 50, the web is what we used to refer to the internet as. This could be as simple as, say, having a landing page provided by your podcast media host provider, or it could be the opposite. It could be as complex as a fully installed WordPress installation on a web server with a bunch of different aspects that tie into your podcast. Either way, we do think that having one is a necessary component for having a, quote, better, end quote, hobby podcast. And the reason I quote better is because you're literally listening to a show called Better Podcasting. This should be a singular point of reference that anyone who wants to find out more about your show can go to. This includes being able to listen to your show through that web presence. But if your hobby podcast does not have some form of dedicated web presence, it does make things more difficult for discoverability, interaction with your audience, and for you to promote things outside of your show like social media accounts, or if you have a chat central chat service through something like Discord, or if you get into something like Patreon or have other crowdfunding, 
Or maybe you have a merch store as well. How hard is it to market these things without a central landing point on the web? So get yourself some form of dedicated web presence and you will have a much better experience engaging with your audience. Plus, then you have something in common with Spider-Man if you have a web presence. Thanks for those uh, shots at those over 50. We appreciate that. Moving on to the next key element of a hobby podcast, we're going to discuss sound design or no sound design. More on that in a second. Check, one, two, three. Check, check, one, two. Testing, one, two, three, four. Check, check, test, test. Testing, testing, testing. Hello? Can you hear me now? That, dear listener, it is an example of the sound test that I have done every episode for over 10 years. And when you record with me multiple times per episode. Is it getting a little boring for you, Stephen? Of course not. Okay. Is it monotonous? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Is it monotonous that I say the same thing every time? Okay. Yes. But it's necessary in an audio format. And that's the key. We're talking about an audio format here. And since we are mentioning audio formats, let's talk a little bit about the key element of a hobby podcast called sound design. This includes all the background music, the intro, the outro, the bumps, the sound effects, the audio drama, mood sound, the Foley effects, basically anything that is not related to your recorded voice or somebody else's recorded voice. You do need sound design in your show, do you? Well, quite frankly, no, and don't call me Frank, but generally speaking, generally speaking, get it? Generally speaking, okay. You will either have sound design or deliberately not have sound design for whatever reason. It's one or the other. You're going to have sound in your show or it's just going to be you talking, but you're going to make that decision of which one you want to do. Whether you do or you do not have sound design integrated into your episode, it is still a key element. If you do have active sound design in your podcast, make sure you can hear the talk over the music when people are speaking. That's a mistake a lot of people make is they have this wonderful music behind the scenes, but it's just too loud and you can't hear the people talking. You also need to stay legal with copyrights and DMCA and stuff like that. You have to make sure that the music or the sound design fits the mood and the genre of your show if you do have it. And here's another one. Make sure it's unique to your show. There are so many times you can look into these free sound effect places like incompetent.com and you hear them on literally tens of thousands of different podcasts. I mean, I love incompetent.com. I have it on some of my show, but when I'm listening to another show, I literally hear the same sound effects. And it's like, Ugh. that's why I've transitioned to audiojungle.net or pond5.com when it comes to sound for my show is we just don't want to hear it everywhere. It, heck, even then you might hear it other places like the better podcasting theme we've heard in other commercials and stuff like that. But this is the type of thing that you can better get better with over time is including the sound into your podcast because it just takes a lot of work. It takes a ton of work and in some cases, some additional money to afford these clips on these sites that I just mentioned. But it will also take a ton of time, especially at the beginning. Why? Well, finding the perfect audio clip will take hours or days or weeks. Trust us. We know we've been there. But as a podcast listener, having the proper amount of sound design is always welcome. So why not treat your listeners right and provide them with some 
decent sound design or not, have none at all. It's really up to you if you want to do one or the other, but you have to do it well either way you go. And at the bottom line, just don't get caught by the music scanning bots and be handed a DMCA takedown notice because there's really nothing you can do about that. You can scream and yell at your podcast media hosting service all you want. You can scream and yell at Apple Podcasts or Spotify all you want. It's not going to make a difference. If you're illegally using music that you have not paid for, they will take you down and there's nothing you can do about that. So Stephen, what's the next key element to talk about here? And one of our last couple points that we've got here is one that we do think hobby podcasters have some extra flexibility with compared to those who are making money on their podcast. And this is about your show format. What exactly is the show format going to be? Are you going to have different segments or will each episode basically be a segment in itself? Will you be talking to the listener or will you be taking more of a lecturing slash academic tone? Will you plan to have sort of an introduction in each episode or will you just release each episode right with the facts? Will you even have an intro or an outro? These are all things that are going to affect the format of your show. But here's the thing. You don't have to necessarily stick with the format that you establish if you feel that it doesn't work. When someone has a podcast, though, where they're trying to make money, they have to, at the end of it, consider the bottom line monetary impact that will be if they make a change to a format. For example, if this big budget podcast has been doing years of straight to the facts delivery of information, what impact would it be if they end up doing some form of personal commentary in it? How, that, how is that going to affect the revenue stream? If they have a 10-second intro, what will happen if they expand that to 30 seconds in order to promote maybe a related project? Is it going to make listeners dwindle and again affect the bottom line? In the end, though, non-hobby podcasts usually have the goal of making money. And that makes it a business. And a good business person will usually analyze and consider what impact changes will have to their business in the revenue stream. As a hobby podcaster, though, you don't need to worry about that. We can confidently say right here and right now that it won't impact your budget if you change your format as a hobby podcaster and your annual revenue is $0 changing to $0. Seriously. If you're, if you're just doing it as a hobby, no money involved, like true hobby nature, you don't have a revenue. So we can confidently say it will not affect your revenue. This means as a hobby podcaster, you might have some more freedom to redefine the show format as needed. And that is why we think it's a critical area of hobby podcasting. As we've mentioned a couple times before, as a hobby podcaster, you need to be motivated by things other than money. And if you're starting to feel that things are stale, shaking up the format might help alleviate some of that staleness with your podcast. Or you might find that it's really, really hard to create content in your current format and you need to do a shakeup. As a hobby podcaster, you have a lot more luxury to do that because again, in the end, you're doing the podcast mostly for yourself and your own fun and enjoyment. Maybe after you get some initial episodes under your belt, you feel that the first format that you established 
needs to evolve to accommodate other factors. Like maybe there's been a change in the core subject material that you're podcasting about, or even with the listener base. Again, as a hobby podcaster, you can make changes to your format to help shape the show how you feel will work best. And there's not as many considerations like money that you have as a hobby podcaster. Now, there are, of course, some cautions that we should uh, warn you of. Although you might not lose revenue, potentially could lose listeners, especially if you're doing a drastic format change or regularly changing the format. We're not going to lie and say you won't lose listeners by changing the format, but sometimes you have to change the format and hopefully you'll change it to a way that actually helps enhance your show further. Now, the final section that we're going to talk about has to do with your listeners. And this time we're talking about the key element of the relationship you have with your listeners in the show. This is because we think that as a hobby podcaster, you're afforded a bit more freedom to interact personally with your listener. And this divide is widening with so many companies getting involved in podcasting. What we mean by this is that if you are podcasting for a company, you are representing that company. Everything you say on your show can be interpreted as a representation of that company. This can sometimes make it harder to create an in-show relationship with your listeners. After all, you bring the listeners into your show or build a relationship with them in-show, but you might be endorsing the listeners to a degree by the company. But as we mentioned earlier, community interaction is huge for your podcast. Well, at least it is for both of us in our Drive 2 podcast. Those relationships are the things that have kept us doing our podcasts. When we've had moments of doubt, moments of difficult points in our lives, just moments that we have to take pause why we podcast. The relationships that we have built with our listeners are more valuable than we can truly express. And that goes for this show, these listeners right here, you on Better Podcasting, as well as our listeners on our other shows like the guineageek.com show, like Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., like all the other shows that we have done in the past. And so for us, we like to have a pretty open relationship in show with our listeners. We do this by calling on our listeners to contribute to our shows, then featuring some of that discussion on the show. We speak directly to the listener, often using the words like you and your, but it doesn't have to be this way. You have to decide what is going to be the best for your show and how much of an in-show relationship you want to have with your listeners. Chump shows might not lend themselves to in-show discussion, for example, educational podcasts or perhaps audio dramas. And that's totally okay, too. You can build relationships outside of the podcast episode and keep the show with a one-directional tone. Now, whatever decision you end up making will likely impact the overall feel of your show in some regard and will play a critical part in shaping your podcast. And that's why we think it is a key component in hobby podcasting. So with all of that said, why does it really matter to consider these components of your hobby podcast endeavors? Well, in our opinion, all of these components can impact each other in their own unique ways. If something isn't working for your show, we think it's important that you consider the different components to a hobby podcast and figure out what the impact the other components will be if you end up making a change somewhere else. As well, when you're planning to do a hobby podcast, we would encourage you to consider about all these elements that we reviewed today. 
what areas do you want to spend the most time working on? And truthfully, what areas do you think are less important for your specific show? It will vary. As a couple hobby podcasters here ourselves, who have been doing podcasting on our shows for quite a while, truthfully, we've both been thinking a lot about these different components lately in respect to our own shows. And so we thought it was a good opportunity to break down these different elements in what we think are key components to hobby podcasting. As always, we would love to know, what are your thoughts on today's topics? Is there a component that you think a lot about? Or is there one that we missed? Get in touch with us for any of the ways. You can come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can tweet us at betterpod. And if you'd like, you can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com and send us an audio or video clip. This is the Better Podcasting Download. SP, I know this one's going to be a shock to you, but if you, listener, have paid at all attention to any of our calls to action, maybe the one that we just mentioned as well, uh, you probably have heard us in the last couple of years mention our Discord server. I am shocked. I that is news to me. Yes. I, I, I thought this was going to be new to you. Well, Really, Discord has actually become quite the, the central hub for our community, as it does allow of a bunch of like-minded people to talk about a shared topic of interest. It's basically a chat room is what Discord is with different categories in it. And in our particular case, we have a lot of podcasters coming to our Discord server, but we also have other geeks coming to our Discord server. Now, as you might imagine, with Discord, when you have a bunch of passionate people coming together to chat about a certain topic in the Discord server that they're passionate about, sometimes there can end up being a lot of chat happening through multiple points of interest for those people. And to be honest, in our experience with Discord, to date, Discord hasn't really handled that all that well. Although you can go into Discord and find a message that you want to respond to, and you can click on it, and you can hit reply, and then when people read that reply, they can see the reference back to the original message, it's kind of hard to view the history of replies to a certain topic. And Discord ended up changing this week that feature there because they have rolled out conversation threads. Now, while you may have seen conversation threads and things like Slack or even in your Gmail inbox, where basically it groups a bunch of replies together, on Discord, threads are working a little bit different. On Discord, to create a thread, you're basically creating out a, a pop-out conversation to a specific message. Think of it almost like creating a side conversation outside of the main chat room, but also in the main chat room. Anyone can see this thread, but there is also the ability to archive threads or have threads auto-archive after a certain amount of inactivity. Now, truthfully, I have some reservations about this approach. I kind of like the Gmail approach where it just kind of lumps all of the replies together so that you can go back and see the history. But I will, I will give full credit here to wonderful listener Damien the DM. He pointed out an interesting use case for how this sort of side conversation might work for our very own Better Podcasting. Let's say that we go and we want to ask a specific question 
to discuss in a show. We could go and we could say, hey, what's your thoughts on new service X, Y, and Z? Reply here in this thread. And so now we can go and create a thread tied specifically to that message where everybody can go out and put the reply. And it makes it really easy, of course, for us to view all of that because it's in one spot. But then at the end, we can archive that when we record our episodes so that that's not there anymore. And anybody replying would know that, you know, it's, it's not being used in the episode. So kind of creating side conversations. Now, the reason we want to mention this today is because we've heard from podcasters over the years, they sometimes dabbled with Discord and found it didn't really work for their community because they couldn't easily see these threaded conversations. It ended up just being a whole bunch of messages on different topics that were interspersed and hard to follow. And truthfully, I found that with Discord as well, is sometimes when we have had a question asked and we've had people go and reply later after a new topic has come up, it's kind of been hard to find. So I, I wanted to mention this in our Better Podcasting download right now because Discord for us has been really good for building our podcast community. And if this was something that was kind of keeping you away, it might be worth exploring. Or if you have a Discord, maybe you can use that sort of approach that Damien mentioned, because I think it's a, it's a very valid one and one that might actually work really well for podcasters trying to solicit feedback for their podcast. I think Discord has done reasonably well over the years of listening to the community of users that it has and trying to implement changes and new services into the platform in order to maintain its usability. It is a voluntary paid platform. You can pay for Nitro, which is their subscription purpose service, but you don't need a subscription to use Discord. It's free for anybody that wants to come into your uh, Discord server and participate. Uh, there are benefits of using the Nitro service. We won't get into those here. I just want to say that it's not without merit, but Discord is been pretty good for most communities that I have run into. Even if you're not video, it was originally a video game chat room. Even if not video game or geeky related, it can be a easy work a collaboration tool to use. And if you want to try it out for your show in of itself, you can. It does have a recording capability with it. I think these threads that they are starting, I will try after we get done recording this, I'm going to drop at least one thread in that I can think of right off the top of my bat, uh, my head. It's going to be a couple of weeks before we talk about it again. So I'm not going to mention it until then, but on the show here. And I'm going to drop at least one and, and maybe a couple throughout the weeks and see how it goes and see if it's being utilized within our server or not. And if people, it might just be a case of people having to try it out and seeing if it works or not, it might be a case of needing to use it over time. So the next time we get back together, we'll report and see what threads that we actually have out there and how they've worked. I'll try to use it in different, uh, topics so basically different channels but it's transcending channels here the threads are and uh, we'll see how it goes so i'm excited about discord moving forward with the threads and seeing if that works particularly because i know it was working in slack back when i was using slack i mean it was a 
relatively new capability at the end of the time that I was using Slack. And I just, I don't have a purpose to go in Slack anymore because I don't, I'm not a member of any community that uses it. I'm a member in a heck of a lot of discord communities, whether they're podcast communities or a particular, a particular topic or a fandom community or something like that. So discord speaks to me and I have been using it and I think it could be useful for any podcaster out there, especially hobby podcaster. When you're talking about no budget, you're talking about availability for everyone across the world. And you're talking about uh, some pretty neat capabilities inherent in it. Here's an idea. Maybe, you know, we have a video show here, as we mentioned. So we do have to have a visual appearance. And maybe there's some folks who are really into fashion looking at our video side of things. And they want to start a thread about our threads. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. On the Twitter sphere, Mr. SP posted a question saying, what's your favorite subject and why aren't you recording a hashtag podcast on the topic this week? We got a couple of responses. What do we get, SP? Yeah, Evil Zombie hit us back on Twitter and said, Keiju and Giant Monsters. And because the person I'm going to have guest is moving and packing, so they are busy. You up for a guest appearance on a Keiju podcast? Do you enjoy Godzilla? Well, honestly, I have not watched the whatever it is, Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla or whatever that movie was that came out earlier this year. I have not watched it, but I do have HBO Max, so I can watch it and I can be on your podcast if you so desire me to. But I know a co-host of mine who is Gaga over Keiju, and her name is Lauren, so you can reach out to her and see if she would want to do it for you as well. But thank you for inviting me. That's great. And uh, I don't think Evil Zombie knew if it was me or you that was posting it, so Steve and I have to turn it over to you. Would you like to guest on a podcast about Keiju? Uh, about the Godzilla part specifically, uh, I have never, ever, ever watched any any Godzilla version ever. See, I'm a kid way back from the 70s and 80s, and there was this cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon, Godzilla and Godzuki, and so I watched that. So I I can relate to that, at least. <laughs> but I have not kept up with Keiju all that much. I don't, I don't know. It's just not been... I'm more of a sci-fi guy, and I know it's kind of sci-fi, but it's like more monsters than tech. I'm like tech sci-fi. So anyway... I like the next response. I saw the next response and I laughed for like five minutes, right? <laughs> so Stephanie Fuscio, Steph Fuscio on Twitter said, stop yelling at me. I'm on hiatus. LOL. So she was basically treating the comment like we were her mom saying, why aren't you doing this? So I, I enjoyed that. Thank you very much. You made me laugh, Steph. I, I'm assuming she was uh, she was assuming that the Canadian was the one yelling. So uh, I'll take that for the team. And because of that, you have to apologize now. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry, Steph, for my yelling. It was very unkind of me. Over on Discord, we had some great comments. We had Yako say, I tried out StreamYard's individual audio track option tonight. And at first glance, I'm impressed. It's only on the pro plan. And if you have to turn it on explicitly for each broadcast, but you get a zip of the WAV files. In my one test, they lined up and were in sync. More than I can say for Zencaster the last few times I tried it. 
And before you get too excited, wait for the next yep. one. Yeah, Stephen, why don't you take the next one here? Unfortunately, a day later, he responds saying, looking at the audio files with the audio from the video, and they are just enough out of sync with the video to make it frustrating. If I edit audio only, it would probably be fine, though. And so he posted a screenshot in this, which uh, it won't be over at betterpodcasting.com, but if you want to come to our Discord, you can see it. And and what he posted was he posted the audio tracks, which you could see they were they were mostly in there. There was a couple references where they were, they were out a little bit, but mostly in. I would say they were close enough cool. that you could go ahead and do an audio edit Absolutely. there. But then we had Damien the DM notice something and he goes, oof. A whole like 12 seconds of desync. And what he was referencing is when you looked at the audio tracks compared to the video, there was 12 second difference between the endpoint on the audio and the endpoint on the video. And so we had a bit of questions about this. And I had asked, like, was it dropout or was it drift? And he said, there was no dropout. I think it's just drift. We have people from all over North America on this interview. So I guess that's it. Just glad I wasn't counting on having these tracks. It was just a test and the audio was good. So I can use it to patch the audio in the video file if I need to. And so I have a couple things I want I want to mention about this. One, this seems to be a common problem with so many online services. And so I, I, I don't know the technical workings of it, but I can only assume it's related to the reason that you get digital drift elsewise, is that there's differences in clocks and like if you have two PCs recording at the same time, the odds are the tracks won't be 100% in time. It's just the way, the nature of hardware. If you actually have multiple Zoom devices, like when SP and I were on Zoom, H6 is both together. They were very close because they were the same, but technically they still were slightly out. And I've noticed this as well, like my Rodecaster Pro, since I've been using that, the, the drift is quite different compared to when I was using the Zoom L8. Just seems the nature of it. and. And I don't know if that is what's making these things happen because digital drift also tends to happen when resources are taxed on the computer. So I guess if the recording's kind of happening on the local side and then going up, maybe that's also susceptible to it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what is happening with this, but it's a shame because he looks so promising. And then coming back, it looks like not so much. So I guess if you're using StreamYard to just connect, cool. Uh, but I think if you're using StreamYard, you're probably planning on having video, maybe not ready for prime time yet. I use the StreamYard free version, free service, as we've talked about before several times on Better Podcasting. And while I'm doing the edit, so what I do is I take the video recording that has been streamed to YouTube. So it's not just StreamYard. It's StreamYard. I'm streaming to YouTube. And that's where I'm taking the recording from because free, you can either stream somewhere to one place, whether it's Twitch or YouTube or whatever, or you can record locally. So I decide to stream it and it's my ability to stream out. And then I take the video that's recorded from YouTube and then I edit it. So this is not just StreamYard. However, I will say that taking the local audio, even from myself, and then trying to match it up. To that streamed audio, it is off a little bit throughout the entirety of the entire video. And I just started noticing it a couple of weeks ago 
when I believe it was me, I was talking and my mouth was not in sync with the audio. I was like, wow, I need to fix this. So you make a cut and you shift it over a little bit to make it uh, there, uh, to make it uh, in sync. And I kept on having to do that over and over and over again. About every five minutes or so, I would have to move it just a little bit over. And not just my track. It was the other tracks as well with the ladies who are co-hosts, Michelle and Lauren. And originally I was thinking, it's got to be there. I just noticed it with them. So it's got to be their internet. And it, it probably is. It's probably my internet. It's probably their internet. But you start equating all this stuff together and a service that's actually recording which you don't have any control over, it does start adding up and you do get drift. In this particular case, the audio was in sync, which is good to know, but the video was 12 seconds. This is over two hours of recording, by the way. It was 12 seconds out of sync. That I hope like a simple stretch could fix, but I don't know. We didn't see the rest of the tracks. So even with StreamYard, which has been pretty rock solid for me experiencing this now, I echo your concern is I don't know if there's any online recording service that is going to be able to multi-track in sync with video. I don't know if that Nirvana is going to exist for a few years at least. And your stretch point is why I asked actually about whether it was dropout or drift. Because if it's drift, generally the stretching will fix it. I do it pretty much every episode with very minimal. If you're using a good editor, very minimal impact to the audio quality. Um, Just because it's such a small amount. A lot of editors have pitch correction and things like that. But a lot of times you don't actually even need the pitch correction because it's such a small amount. But if you're to stretch 12 seconds, I don't think it would work. Now, stretching doesn't work if it's true dropout. And a dropout is like, you know, five seconds in, all of a sudden you lose half a second. Or 20 seconds in, it actually adds a second. Because now there's no consistency to that track. With drift, generally it's fairly consistent. So while when you stretch it out, you might end up seeing one part, maybe the mouse a little off, and then it gets in a little bit better. But overall, it's okay. But as soon as you get into those dropouts where you're losing whole sections or it's correcting and adding too much, that inconsistency means you cannot stretch and you have to go through and painstakingly do it. And I've had to do that before, especially when I've been sent tracks by people who are recording on their computer and don't have enough resources for their computer. And so it's high processor use or high RAM use. Like I would say almost 10 out of 10 times, I will somewhere see dropout happen and I have to go in and fix that. So it's a real issue with podcasters that want to that nirvana of the multi-track given to you by a service. This is a paid service. Most of the multi-track recording on a service I've seen is paid service. I don't pay for the StreamYard paid service. Yako does. So it's an interesting uh, comparison right there off the bat between him and me. But also, like Zencaster has issues. I've even heard of issues with CleanFeed in the past. I've attributed that to local machines, but I, I don't it, anymore. I, I just don't know. So you are playing with fire. And the best thing to do, I mean, we talk about it all the time, and I hate to overemphasize this, but it makes sense. Have a backup recording. Make sure you do, because not only with the drift and the dropout, but you could actually lose whole sections of your show 
to a service and you just don't want to do that. So even if it is one track of everybody on it, that's going to be better than losing a section that is really important for you to have in your episode. Our next comment was from Josh Liston, and he was doing what we love, which is photos of gears. He po- of gears, uh, gears and gear, both of them. Uh, Josh posted a picture and said, "Just installed the first of my two Rycoat Envision USM shock mounts into my studios to hold my RE320, and it's working great. And uh, it's a cool little shock mount that he posted. I have to say, uh, it's a neat design." Uh, I have to look at this because it looks very promising for a variety of microphone sizes, maybe just the way it's designed. I'll have to have a look. But then somebody noticed something and they noticed on the back of the microphone, there was a large object that said dynamite. And that was Damien, the DM. He said, what is the dynamite stick? And Josh responded with. It's an inline clean gain boost. Think Cloudlifter or Fedhead that runs off of phantom power to provide a boost to the signal before it hits the noisier Rodecaster Pro preamps. It allows me to keep the Rodecaster pre's at a much lower setting and not add as much self-noise from the RCP pre's. Note the phantom power doesn't pass through the DM1 Dynamite to the Dynamite mics. So you're using phantom power, it goes to the dynamite pre, it basically is a preamp at that point in time, and then the power stops. The dynamite does not pass that power through to the microphone, but it does increase the gain of the microphone. So it's it's just an automatic step up in gain so that you don't have to burden maybe some dirtier preamps on whatever audio recording device or mixer audio interface that you're using. And in this case, what Josh is saying is that the Rodecaster Pro's preamps are dirty to him and that he was trying to clean them up so he's using his dynamite sticks and in a sense blowing up his audio, stepping up the audio gain. I, I agree with him on the on the uh, preamps as well. I just want to put that out there. Um, I do agree with him. I think that there's quite a bit of noise on there and I'm fortunate enough to use a DBX 286, which seems to alleviate that, but I, I definitely have noticed that in my testings. Yeah, the Roadcaster Pro is a great capability, all-in-one sort of thing, but it does have its detriments to it as well. It's not this nirvanic piece of gear that ha- does everything correct. So it does a lot. I'm not going to disagree with that, but there are some faults to it, and he's found one. It's it's a weak point in it, and that's the preamps, which from day one, when you started playing with it, it was a concern that we have. It was yeah. like the first concern that we have. How clean are those preamps? And we uh, attributed it that it was a weak point in the thing. Now, uh, it, it, I'm glad he's found a workaround because yeah. it makes the device more usable for him. But it is extra money. Yeah, it, it definitely So thanks to everybody who gave us some feedback there. If you want to come on over to betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, almost forgot that. You can check out some of the other content that's happening over there, including there was a bit of a discussion about perhaps a new small dynamic microphone that is being made by a certain company that might rhyme with Mario Mechnica. 
uh, you can go ahead and check out the conversation. <laughs> Audio Technica, they, they they released a new. Uh, oh, yeah. It rhymes with Audio Technica. Yeah, I said rhymes with Modio Mechnica. Rhymes oh, okay. with the mod. Well, I didn't know if you were clarifying the rhyme or you were actually talking about the actual company. I was oh, yes. just making it clear to our listeners. Anyways, they're trying to get into that whole like $100-ish price point game. So uh, check that out. There's some conversation that was had there over the last few days. And you can check that out at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. So for episode number 256 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying apparently I'm now podcasting this show with a guy named General Lee. And I'm SP saying, have fun with your hobby podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Let us know how you like the episode. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.